Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast. My name is Victoria and I'm the Community Education Program Coordinator here at Mujeres Unidas, Women Together. And with me I have... Hi guys, my name is Jasmine. I'm a sexual outreach advocate with Mujeres Unidas. So today we wanted to come and talk about the different um, emotions that a sexual assault survivor goes through um, and after and after the assault, right? So a lot of the times we, we think, well, you know what, um, it, it happens and then people just forget about it or it happens and like there is no emotions about it. You kind of like your mind just decides to like disregard the event. But that's not really the truth. Um, and so we kind of wanted to talk about the different emotions that someone feels and what we as family members or friends, colleagues, neighbors, whoever we are, right, to, the, to this individual, what we can do to help them and what we can do to understand what they are feeling. Um, and today's podcast is going to be a little difficult to listen to. Um, there are going to be things that might trigger you. So just remember that if there's anything in this podcast that does trigger you. We recommend that you look at the description box. That way you, um, you know, you receive some kind of help. You read into resources around your community. And well, we hope that you enjoy this podcast. Yeah, so first of all, uh, the first emotions that some sexual assault uh, victims or survivors go through is a guilt and shame. So survivors feel guilty, you know, that the abuse occurred to them. They tend to think, you know, how could I prevent this? Like, what could I have done different? Um, how could have I escaped from the situation? At times, they begin to even think that why couldn't they have stopped the abuse or why did they allow it to happen? Like, is there anything I could have done differently, you know, to, to prevent this from happening to myself? So survivors may feel judged or guilt uh, by others about the situation. Um, other people may tend to tell them like, well, why didn't you do something or why didn't you define yourself or why didn't you run away? Or you could have done this or you could have done that. Like, why did you let it happen? In many cases, survivors do feel guilty coming forward, um, reporting the abuse. Um, you know, they're afraid of something happening to them, happening to their family, or, you know, they're afraid not to be believed by anyone. So um, we have talked to, we have talked about um, survivors and in previous podcasts, how a lot of the times so someone who is sexually abused or assaulted is um a victim by their family members it can be an aunt uncle cousin you know family friend close family friend they can feel guilty as to what's happening they might be confused as to what's happening um they don't know why their loved one did this to them um they don't know how their family is going to react um what they're going to think um if they if they come forward and you know and they they you know tell on the individual you know that he did this to me or she did this to me so there's a lot of um situations where a lot of these sexual assault survivors, you know, tend to stay quiet because they, they feel guilty or they feel shame, you know, that this happened to them. And then especially from a family member, somebody that loves you. Um, and even at times, a lot of the family members or, or friends or, you know, acquaintances side with the perpetrators. So, you know, the survivor ends up being shamed or shunned from their families. You know, they forget about them. They're no longer part of the family because, you know, you cause this to to the perpetrator, why can't you just keep quiet? Like you could have gone, you know, you could have gone with it, um, just get over it and stuff like that. And that's when um, the mental health is, is being affected because they're holding all these emotions in because they don't want to express their feelings due to your family members or the shame or the guilt. Um, and especially their emotions at this time are high. They feel ashamed about the situation. So there's no way of knowing, you know, 
they have no idea what to do or how to express themselves without them being, you know, um, criticized or judged or anything for the fact. Yeah, and so just like Jasmine said, right? So usually during the first stage is like guilt and shame. They just feel so embarrassed. So they don't want people looking at them. They don't want people knowing. They don't want people asking any questions. Anything that might remind them or of the of the moment, that traumatic moment, they just kind of want to block it out of their mind, right? And so then following that comes blame and anger. And the reason why we say it's very, very important to receive mental mental help, right? Counseling, therapy, you know, trust someone with what you're thinking and your emotions is because if after a while you do not talk about the traumatic event, then you start to overthink and you start to... Um, see it in a very different light in a way and you start to blame yourself right so the next emotions are blame and anger unfortunately um, a lot of survivors who do not take time to talk to a therapist to talk to a family member they usually go through that stage of blaming themselves for what happened to them right and by the by starting to blame themselves they also they also start to feel a lot of anger towards themselves um uh, when we say blaming, we mean more of like, well, if, if I wouldn't have um, laughed at their jokes or if I wouldn't have um, dressed this certain way, then maybe they wouldn't have looked at me or he wouldn't have looked at me. Or if I it, maybe if I wouldn't have drank, then like this wouldn't have happened to me. And it's my fault because why did I go out drinking or why do I why did I wear makeup if I know that like if I wear makeup, men stare at me. So why did I do that? And so they start to blame it. Right. They start to um, look at it in a different light. They start to think, oh, well, because I wear makeup, then I probably wanted it. Right. So it's my fault. It's always my fault. So that's kind of like the, the, the mindset that they start to get into. And, and just having that mindset can be very, very hurtful towards them, right? They start to, to, to become very dependent on different things. Some of them become dependent on alcohol, drug usage. Some of them, they start to feel very, very insecure. And so they start depending on like eating disorders because they just want to be different. They want to look different than the person that was sexually assaulted, right? Um, another thing is that um, a lot of the times they're going to see themselves with a neg negative mindset, right? So no matter what, how many times you tell them, like, it's not your fault, you know, you're not responsible for what they did to you, they're not going to believe that because for a very long time, they've already told themselves that if they wouldn't have done that one thing, then nothing would have happened. So it is their fault. So that's the mindset that they start to get into. And then um, something that we want to mention is as a survivor, as a um, as a survive as a survivor's family member or as a survivor's friend, it's important for us to remember to always listen to them, right? But also reassure the survivor that what happened to them is not their fault. And although you may sound like, oh my gosh, why well, I just keep repeating myself and they don't they don't listen and they don't believe me and they still think negative like in a negative way about themselves, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the more that you tell them, little by little they will start to believe it. Um, another thing would be that because um, so many people are stuck in this stage of anger and loneliness, um, they, they start to really develop anxiety, depression, um, all that kind of stuff. And so it becomes important for, for us to become aware whenever someone is going through this situation. And then finally, um, once the individual decides to receive help, once the individual decides that um, they're tired of blaming themselves, they're tired of feeling so angry towards themselves, 
um, they start to receive they start to receive some form of counseling and therapy. Which uh, while receiving these these form of of assistance, they start to develop healthy habits, right? Maybe eating healthy again, maybe taking walks, um, meditating, um, opening relationships with their family members, not keeping their feelings to themselves. Um, they no longer start to blame themselves, or they no longer feel anger towards themselves because they know that at the end of the day, like it was it wasn't something that they did that caused the abuse to happen. It was completely out of their control and out of their their hands, right? So, um, it's important for us to remember that the best thing to do if we ever were to experience a situation like sexual abuse is to speak up, to to talk to someone, to not hold our emotions within us because then we develop things such as blame and anger yes and a lot of the times when uh, survivors hold in the blame and anger you know it, it shows that you know the survivor hasn't grieved or mourned um you know the abuse that had happened to them so that's uh the next bullet point grieving and mourning and when we think of grieving and mourning um automatically myself i think you know somebody's loved one passed away they're grieving and they're mourning them but a lot of the times, individuals who go through any type of trauma can also grieve and mourn, you know, the situation. So, um, and not not all individuals grieve the same in the same way or at the same time. Or you know, some may progress quickly, some may not. A lot of them are, are found stuck in depression or um, for a long period of time, or maybe some are in denial for years um, from the assault. Or sometimes an individual or survivor may not even you know grieve the the sexual abuse or assault. So um, healing from a sexual trauma can be, um, or any traumatic thing, um, can be difficult. Like I said earlier, it all depends on the victim or the survivor. You know, they respond in a different way. Um, so we just have to be patient, you know, with, with victims and survivors. You know, we don't want to force anything um, because, you know, it does take time to grieve and mourn. So a lot of the times, grieving and mourning can help a survivor uh sexual abuse or assault to get unstuck and begin to move forward. Um, grieving can make you feel helpless. Grief can make us feel helpless, powerless, and vulnerable and weak. The more you try to avoid it, the more out of control your emotions may feel. You may get you be you may begin to fear crying or losing it when some something or someone triggers you. Um, a common complaint to this is family members might say, you know what, you're overreacting to small things or just get over it or you know, nothing's happening. Like you're just, you're, you're just overreacting. Get over it. But remember, it's your body. Um, it's your emotions. It's who you are. Um, you're not reacting to certain things, or you may be reacting to certain things in 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 a ex big expressive way, like small, you know, situations. You might, you know, overreact. But you also have to keep in mind that you just had a a traumatic thing happened to you an event and you know you're trying to also handle those emotions so it's very important that you know you share your emotions whenever you're ready you have a support system and letting it out all out to somebody it can be a counselor a friend you know your parents and maybe your siblings but it's very important you know to prioritize yourself and your and your mental health because like we said in the podcast before a lot of the times um, individuals don't seek mental health services or, or resources because, you know, they're afraid of the outcomes. They're they're not uh, ready to move on. So they hold all the emotions in. And at the end of the day, it affects them. It, if it affects their everyday life. They begin to get depressed. They just want to stay home. And it, it ends up escalating into a more, you know, um, difficult situation. 
and they don't seek the, the, the services that they need. And a lot of times, as you know, children who are sexually abused or assaulted, you know, they never get the appropriate services or the, or the resources for their trauma, for, their, for the abuse, and it just goes on into adulthood and, and so on and so forth. And it continues to affect them. They might not see it every day, right? But something small may trigger it, you know, and, and the flashbacks come back on. So um, it's very important, you know, if you have a family member who has been sexually abused or assaulted, that you do not pressure them, you know, to seek assistance, but you can be, uh, you know, a listening ear, or you can provide any resources on the community that can help them and just be there for them, you know, let them know that whatever happens that you believe it, that you believe them, you know, never try to rush them into doing something that they don't want to, because like I said, grieving and mourning do take time. And it, it does help, you know, not overcome the sexual abuse, but, you know, to prioritize yourself and, and make, and, and move forward from the abuse. Yeah, and so also a lot of people still, you know, sometimes when we think of grieving and mourning, like we, we kind of think of it as a negative thing. It, it has a very negative connotation. And that shouldn't be the case, right? It's, it's very important that we allow these survivors to have that moment of grieving and, and, and kind of let have that moment of, in a way they have to let go of, of the innocence that at some point they had and they lost because of that traumatic event. And, and it's important to realize also that when this individual is able to have that moment to really feel everything that they went through and understand that none of that was their fault and just like comprehend that nothing that they do now can change what happened, then that is going to be very empowering for them and that's really going to help them overcome the situation and kind of see the situation in a different light. Of course, we cannot expect a survivor to, oh, you know, grieve and, and completely feel like, oh, okay, I can move on now and everything's going to go back to normal because that's never going to be the case. Nothing's ever going to 100% go back to normal, but allowing them to have that time will really make a very good impact in their life. Um, and so then lastly, the last emotion that most of these survivors feel are fear and anxiety, right? So after they've already accepted what they went through, they've, they've received the help, they know that there's nothing that they can change, but they also know that there's so much that they can do to like overcome the situation. They start to develop some form of fear and anxiety. Fear because of, you know, fear of having to go through it again and fear of being reminded about it all the time. Fear of anything that triggers them, right? It's like this idea of PTSD where like you go through this very traumatic event and then one little thing reminds you of it and you are back to that moment and just feel frozen and, and frozen in that moment and fearful and and just just overly scared, right? And so this is the way that these survivors feel. So um, fear and anxiety is unfortunately something that a lot of these individuals have to deal with for the rest of their life. Because at the end of the day, like um, even even though they can be having the best day, um, there is always going to be that thought in the back of their mind that's going to remind them of what they went through. So. After working through the guilt, shame, blame, and anger, and taking time to grieve and mourn, many survivors of sexual trauma are left with a feeling of emptiness. It's that feeling of, you know, they lost something and they know that they cannot 100% get it back, but they know that they have to work work to, to in a way, try to feel like themselves again. 
Um, long after the assault, victims may continue to experience a fear response triggered by any number of reminders of the sexual assault. Um, it might be related to the situation or the setting in which the assault took place, such as a dark night, country roads, or even your own home. Um, so anything really that reminds them of that situation can be a trigger to them. You know, it's important to remember that, you know, um, if we do not seek that help, that therapy, that counseling, and we decide to just throw it in the back of our mind and just not think about it because we feel like that's going to help us move on, there's always going to be that one thing that is going to trigger you and will not allow you to continue with your lifestyle, right? Because you're going to need to get help. Um, it can also, it, it doesn't only have to be places, it can also be a situation, a smell that they remember of that moment. Um, a lot of the times, um, victims try to avoid these, these, you know, these situations. And unfortunately, when they do approach one of the things that reminds them of the, of the traumatic event, they, re, they respond in a, in a very, um, impulsive way, right? Some of them hide, some of them cry, some of them freeze in the moment. Um, others kind of just like completely blank out. Um, it, it just, there's, there isn't one specific way that, that a survivor will respond to the situation. It really just depends on the individual and the level of severity. Um, trying to build a new life tends to raise many fears and anxieties. Fears that your efforts won't work, that others will reject you, that your most critical thoughts were true. Um, a lot of the times they, a survivor will work really hard and everything will be, you know, going uphill. They feel like everything is great. And then, you know, something happens that reminds them of that moment. And they, they truly feel like it's like starting all over again. And, you know, that's a very unfortunate feeling and it's a very unfortunate situation. But let's remember that, that that's not the case, right? Just because you're reminded of that moment doesn't mean that you have to start from scratch again. It just means that, you know, there is a bump on the road, but you can continue going. Um, anxiety about going to new places, being out in the crowd, starting relationships and trying unfamiliar things can also be very stressful, right? Let's say the survivor was sexually abused by a partner, right? So giving the opportunity to someone new to come into your life, you know, um, having to trust someone, knowing what happened when you trusted the other person before, all of that takes a lot of initiative, a lot of bravery, right? And so when a survivor is finally able to do that, remember that we need to be patient. So if you are dating someone that is a past no, that is a survivor of sexual abuse. You know, you should you should be patient with them and and know that any little thing that they do that you know they mean it with all their heart and they're putting in all the effort that they could possibly put in. Um, so when a survivor is attempting to begin treatment, the goal of treatment is that um, at this stage, treatment at this stage attempts to help survivors of sexual trauma learn how to face their fears. Um, to set healthy boundaries, to problem solve and work towards specific and measurable goals, and to manage the, the natural anxieties that come with trying new approaches, right? So during therapy, during treatment, these individuals will learn new strategies that they can use to, to prevent their anxiety and their fears from overpowering them. They will also learn new ways to protect themselves. Some survivors like to take um, uh, defensive classes, right, to learn how to defend themselves in, in, in a certain situation. And that alone helps them feel like they're in control of their life, right, of the situation. So um, it's important for us to remember that, you know, these are only four different emotions that sexual assault survivors feel, sexual abuse survivors feel. These are not all of them, but we these are the main ones. Um, we did want to create this podcast to bring light to these emotions and 
And for all of us to become aware that, you know, these are emotions have the ability to really damage an individual, right? Have the ability to hurt someone, have the ability to limit anyone from accomplishing their goals. And so if we work together to make sure that these individuals don't feel alone, maybe we can make a big difference in their life. Remember that, you know, we should all be advocates. And if we know someone that may have gone through sexual abuse or sexual assault, you know, be that voice that they want to have, right? Be that friend, be that helping hand, encourage them and just empower them to continue giving life a chance um no um just like victoria said if uh, you're going through any abuse um you know family member mujeres unidas is here for you um we provide services for sexual abuse and sexual assault survivors their family members as well if they need counseling we also assist secondary victims um if you have any further questions you can always contact our offices we will put all the description um down on the box below um you can give us a call and we'll assist you um we appreciate you guys tuning into this podcast we'll see you on the next one yes uh thank you so much bye